All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. It is myself, Nick, and Greg, as always. We're going to talk about the uh, Reds, uh, probably a little about the Blue Jackets, and then we'll get into some Cavs and crew talk before we end the episode with our double take segment. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with the Reds on this episode. Obviously, Greg being our you know baseball expert on the podcast here. Um, I just have like three questions to go over. We'll start with the first one, but, you know, obviously the Reds, we talked about them. I think our last episode about, you know, I had that question proposed who, who we thought, you know, would, I guess, take that next step and, and be the better team over the next five years. And, you know, the Reds brought up uh, Ellie de la Cruz and they haven't really looked back. So I guess my question for you was like, was this team really just one guy away from being this good? Or did he kind of just unlock a, a passion in the rest of the guys and they're just playing at a whole nother level? I mean, it's a multitude of factors. I mean, you know, youth is definitely being served. Ella De La Cruz is definitely the headliner in, in this equation. And, you know, that's understandably so. Um, he's got power. He's got speed. He's got exuberance. Um, you know, we kind of haven't seen somebody like this since for the Reds, at least maybe since Eric Davis is the the, the name that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this. But you, like I said, with the, the youth movement going on, you've got, you know, guys like Matt McLean. He's a touted shortstop. Um, he was summoned a few weeks prior to De La Cruz. Uh, and, I mean, if you look at statistic-wise, he's kind of outperformed De La Cruz a little bit, uh, you know, with the 328. 379 and 516 in uh, you know somewhat like his first 28 games. Uh, Spencer Steer has uh, been amazing. He came over in that Tyler Mail trade um, with the Minnesota Twins. He's sitting 278, um, and he's the oldest of the group at like 25. Um, you've got guys like Brandon uh, Williamson, Andrew Abbott. I mean, if you've not seen Andrew Abbott pitch, the kid's amazing. Um, you know. It, I think that, uh, what is it, Abbott uh, Williamson came over in the uh, Suarez-Jesse Winkler trade for the Mariners, and Abbott was leading in the minors and strikeouts uh, until his time of his call-up. Um, and so far in his, you know, the first what, 11 and two-thirds uh, scoreless innings, uh, you know, before he, he got, got uh, I think somebody hit a home run off of him. So they've got more youth players to come to, Christian Strand, um you know, ranks fifth in the minors uh, with uh, 17 home runs and is hitting 355. Second part of that, um, then you've got Joey Votto coming back. And I can't say enough about when, you know, he came back in that first hit home run that first game. Um, you know, it's nice to have that veteran uh, presence back in the lineup and back in the clubhouse. Um, so I, I think that the, there's a lot of things going with it. Uh, the vibes are also really good in the clubhouse. Um, you know, there's a lot of energy with them. Uh, it's not just the young guys, it's the older guys too. So I think that that they brought up the right guys at the right time. And um, obviously we've talked about ownership is one thing. And we'll see if they can keep people around uh, long enough to make a difference because um, this ownership has been garbage uh, from you know, for a long time, we've talked about that many times, but I, I think everything was there and I think that everything is starting to come into play uh, now. So it wasn't just one guy, but it was, it was a multitude of different factors. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think they've, they've hit a lot on their, you know, their guys that they've brought up through their farm system. And like you said, I, I really hope that they can kind of keep their, 
I guess what you can call their young core together going forward. I, I think that it, it sucks to see fan bases, especially in baseball, when you talk about smaller market teams, have to continuously like reset every six or seven years. So maybe they can keep some of those guys around. They don't have to reset completely, but <laughs> we'll see how it looks. Um, obviously, like a way too early prediction on um, De La Cruz's career, but in your mind, the style of play, um, what we've seen from him so far, I guess, what do the next 10 years of his career look like? Do you think he stays with Cincinnati for the whole 10 years? Do you think he's, you know, going to continue this success? Do you think maybe this is a guy who's a flash in the pan? Like he'll be really good this year and then he'll fall off. Like what, what's your prediction on his career? I mean, I, I, I'll start with, with them if he stays in Cincinnati or not. And, and the, the smart answer is probably no. The hopeful answer is yes. Again, um, are are the Reds' ownership willing to pay the price tag it is going to be to keep him? Um, and that, you know, that's that's really the question to me. He he is legitimate. This this kid is it's he's not a flash in the pan. He you know uh, I'm not sure if he will will fit into the rookie of the year. Um, Talks. I don't know if the, the, the game's played. I'd have to look at that exactly to see if that, that's a contention for him. But if not this year, then next year. Um, I, I, I see multiple championships in this kid's future. Um, he, you know, you had Julio Rodriguez come out last year um, as being touted as, you know, one of the, the great futures of Major League Baseball and Ella De La Cruz is – is this year's, um, you know, crowned prince when it comes to that. So, um, I mean, just his exuberance, his athleticism, his his just game smarts. I mean, did you see him uh, basically still second, still third, and still home? I mean, that that yeah. stuff like that. You don't see that. You don't see that in baseball players nowadays. And 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 just playing with that type of excitement and that type of effort and that type. Uh, that stuff that you don't squash that that's not a flash in the pan type of of effort and that's not a flash in the pan type of of um ability this kid is special um you know uh, he's amazing i I so look forward to him um either winning with the reds or or being able to win on on another team that's got you know i said the way the reds are playing I, i wouldn't be surprised if they shocked a few people this year um but if they keep everything going, you could see have a potential of a championship caliber team in the next few years for sure. Yeah, yeah, they they remind me a lot of that like Guardians team last year that caught fire and like there were a lot of young guys. There wasn't that many expectations, so I am very interested to see, like you said, what they kind of do this season. Obviously, they're first in in their uh, division, so a, a playoff push seems likely at this point. So we'll kind of see what they can do. And, and I, like you said before, with that excitement in the locker room, it, it makes people play up a level. I think too, when you're, when you're hopeful and, and you get a taste of that winning, I think it, it, it just makes people want to play a little bit harder than what they are more than what, you know, above. I can't even talk right now. It makes people want to play above maybe the level at which we think, or they think they can play at um, and just take that next step. So you know, we talk about the, you know, electric play of, of Cruz. And, and I bring this question as, you know, again, probably another like 
too early question to talk about, but just the dominance now of like Cincinnati sports. And you talk about the Bengals with Joe Burrow and, you know, him being a face of that franchise and them being viewed as consistent playoff contenders with him on the field. And, you know, we're not, we won't talk about FC Cincinnati in this episode, but obviously they're first in, in the conference and, and they're one of the best teams in the MLS right now. They're scoring and they have, you know, a, a face, they have a couple faces of their team and, and they seem to be a team that's taking the MLS by storm. And now you have the Reds who have been, I, I guess, the bottom of, of MLB and, and kind of mediocrity over, over the past, I'd say 10, 10 or more years probably. And, and now with Cruz at, at, the, at the helm, it, does Cincinnati look like they're becoming a more dominant sports city um, I, again? I don't know if we, because I know the Reds were really good at one point, right? And the Bengals haven't always been garbage. But with these three teams kind of pushing in this direction, they have faces of their franchises. I guess, is Cincinnati becoming a dominant sports city that we can kind of look to like the other dominant sports cities within America? I mean, even as far back as like, you know, 2018, a lot of, you know, if you look at some of the the rankings of, of um you know, Cincinnati always ranked, uh, you know, like number one or number two in the, when it came to mid-market level teams or mid-market level cities, mm-hmm. I guess is the better um, better answer for that. Um, so they were always ranked that. And I feel like now they're, you know, in the contention talks of, of major market teams um, because of how well Cincinnati is doing as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. Cincinnati sports has been used, uh, you know, has been described, I guess is a better word as mediocrity uh, for a long time. I mean, they have, the Reds haven't won a playoff series since their last world series championship in 1990. And it wasn't until 2022 with the win over the Las Vegas Raiders in the wildcard game that the Bengals won a playoff game since was it 1990, uh, 1991. Um, so, you know, I think it, a lot of this started with, with the, the job, the Joe Burrow, um, you know, selection um, that helped a lot. Jamar Chase has has helped a lot of that. And when you bring a winning culture to uh, a city, um, you know, it, it's it's a lot easier for the fans to get behind. You know, you, you mm-hmm. you've got Joe Burrow, you got Ella De La Cruz and Joey Votto, you got uh, Lucho Acosto um, for FC um, Cincinnati. Um, so, I think that it's pretty amazing and when you it's kind of weird that the best way i can describe it is is, you know when you've got all three teams firing on all cylinders it makes the city just that much more electric you know boston was comes to mind when when you had the patriots and you had the celtics and you had the red sox all kind of having this championship caliber type of years um it it, it made the city electric and even if mm-hmm. one wasn't doing necessarily good, you know, you, you still galvanized behind the teams. And I think that that's happening now for Cincinnati where it's, Oh, we're not just good in one sport. We're good in a lot of sports. Yeah. And and that's fun for a city and, and the players feel it. Um, You know, not to jump ahead too much to talking about uh, the blue jackets, but uh, when it comes to the culture of the city and when it comes to the culture of, of a team supporting them, you know, how horrible the Blue Jackets are, are supported in Columbus. But in Cincinnati, those three teams are are 
hugely, hugely supported. And that does a lot for the players. It does a lot for the team. It does a lot for the culture. Um, and, you know, again, looking to the future, you know, hopefully it does a lot for the ownership um, mm-hmm. that they reward these players and that they keep these players around. And then, um, you know, we have championships coming out of Cincinnati uh, yeah. like, like they used to. So. And I think too, like I, I look back at this, like what, what LeBron was able to do for Cleveland all those years, especially when he came back, you know, economically really kind of growing a city and, and growing that fan base, I think is, is huge. And, and like you said, giving the owners, I guess, more of a desire to want to invest in their teams because they see the back end, you know, financial success. And that's going to come, you know, with having those guys on the team and being successful. I think that for like it, for Cincinnati sports and Cleveland sports, I kind of look at it as like they were okay being mediocre because the fans still supported them, you know, but I I hope that with the way that like, you know, Cleveland sports owners were able to see like what LeBron was able to do for the Cavs in the city and the guardians or at the time the Indians took a more, they kind of went all out to try to win, you know, um, the championship and obviously they didn't, but they they tried. You know what I mean? I think hopefully Cincinnati gets a little bit of taste that they get a little bit of taste of the economic success, and they grow their fan base, they grow their city, and they take a swing. Even if they miss, hopefully they take a swing and give it a chance. Um, and we, like you said, it it'll be fun to see. And and I think like I don't know, see, seeing like an Ohio battle in something, whether that's the MLS or MLB, or I know we get the Browns and the Bengals in the same division every single year. So hopefully those teams are both competitive over the next few years, but just seeing those Ohio battles is super fun because I think a lot of people forget outside of Ohio that we have so many professional sports teams in Ohio and, um, and, and just, we don't really get to see that because there's just a lot of mediocre play that, that has been over the years. So it'd be interesting. I, I do think Cincinnati's becoming a more dominant sports city and and especially in the MLS, which soccer is growing tremendously within this country as well, too. So or I should say football, but <laughs> we call it soccer. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and move on to the blue jackets, like you were talking about. We did uh talk about, I think maybe not last episode, but a couple episodes ago about them potentially hiring Mike Babcock. That is official now. Obviously, um, we brought up the concerns about his past coaching jobs and how he got fired for, you know, bullying and and all those things. And uh, in his press conference, you know, he talked about how this time time away from from hockey, I think it was about three and a half years and him coaching at the University of Saskatchewan really kind of helped him, I guess, learn how to talk to the younger generation of hockey players and understand, you know, that his it's not necessarily the words that he's saying, but it's the tone that he uses. Um, he said that, and, you know, he used all this as a growth opportunity to get better and better himself. Um, I guess my question then for you, Greg, is do you believe him when he says that he learned from his past self? Obviously, this is a guy that has a ton of experience. So if he can learn and grow, to be a good opportunity and a head coach. But if he didn't, we could be right back where we were with torts, where players are disgruntled, unhappy. Um, they think that, you know, so they're being too hard. He's not able to connect with the younger generation. Like, do you believe he learned from his past self, or do you think we're just in for another run like we were a couple years, or I guess four years back? I mean, I think we're in for another run. It, 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 
you're not going to be able to convey this happy-go-lucky um, uh, tone when the team's going to continuously lose. I mean, you can't just, oh, guys, you're doing great. Okay, okie dokie. You know, it's it's just it's not going to work that way. It's why it's why'd not. you add the accent? <laughs> well, because he's Canadian. Yeah. So I, had to add the, I mean, I hope that didn't offend any of our Canadian no, listeners out there. I, I apologize, but. Um, it, no, it's just it's not going to change, and so you're going to think that he's just going to automatically just you know, and yeah. that's going to galvanize the players to play better. When it's it's not a winning culture in Columbus, and as much as people don't want to hear this, um, it, it hasn't been a winning culture in Columbus for a long time. It won't be in a winning culture in Columbus for a long time. Um, uh, when it comes to the fan base, when it comes to coaching staff, when it comes to ownership, we are just a uh, bottom barrel. Um, no, I won't even say mid-level team. We're a low-level team, and uh, changing of a coach, whether he be this, you know, happy-go-lucky guy, or whether he be, you know, an asshole. And I honestly, I think when when it comes down to it, sorry for the the vulgar language, but when a team is doing bad, you need a coach that's gonna talk some shit, and it, you're gonna need a coach that's gonna get in these guys' faces and tell them what they're doing wrong. And so, I honestly, I want the 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 old Babcock. I, I don't want this new I've learned from my mistakes. I want a guy who's going to get in these guys' butts and really focus them and force them to play better and play at a higher level. And, and you know, when it really comes down to it, if you think about it, maybe that's really what they hired him for. Like, okay, yeah, you know, you, you had some bad juju back in the day, but we – we're hired you to be a, a stern coach and we need something, um, you know, Torts, Torts wasn't a good coach when it came down to it, you know, and he was a jerk with not being a good coach. Babcock has had at least the history of being a good coach and at least history of somewhat winning. So, you know, I, I, I'll stick with what I said. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I hope that what I want to say, I agree with you. I think that you need, you need a guy to come in in this situation and be tough. Right. But I do agree with a point that he made where like you can say it, but the way it comes out can be more tactful. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a big believer in the way that you convey things can be more, can, can be better and mean better you know, by the way that you say it. So I think that like, if he could be that like hard nosed old style coach, but also say it in a way that is going to get to this younger generation. I, I think what we forget is like, unfortunately he's not coaching guys who have been in the league for 20 years. He's coming in and starting to coach young guys, like a younger generation. And, and unfortunately, like not to be like that old man, that's like, they don't know what it's like, you know what I mean? But like it, the younger generation of, of, people in this world especially athletes they're just they're just different and i think that softer yeah and think we live in a in just a in a generation now with it it, you you have to be more soft with people and and i just don't know and you can't and i've said it before like i i used to coach like youth baseball and you can't you can't motivate them i gave them Every remember the Titans speech, every 
sports and speech that I could think of from any movie that I've ever remembered. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can't motivate them. They have to motivate themselves and they have to want it and they have to want to be receptive to the coaching and, and the criticism. And if they're not, they could have all the talent in the world, but they're just not going to be receptive to it and they're not going to like it. And that's, that's why coaches get fired. That's why coaches get moved on from because they think that it's, you know, the coach that can't get the player to do it, but it's not, that's not necessarily the case. Like in the NBA, all those, all these head coaches got fired this year, like good head coaches that had their teams in playoff positions, champ, you know, positions to maybe even win a championship. And they're getting fired because they can't get their players to kick it into next gear. They can't get their players to do this or that, but I think we need to start looking at the the people who play the sport. It's not just on the coaches anymore. It's it's this new generation of athletes. It's it's the I want my money first kind of athlete that we need to start putting the onus on them. That's like it's not always the head coach, you know. Like look at San Antonio with Greg Popovich. He's been there forever and they haven't gotten rid of him and they've stuck with him and they've he's he's an old style coach and they keep giving him younger guys to to play with and bring up in the league and i i don't see them complaining about it so i don't know it's 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 an interesting thing i hope that he has success as like as a blue jackets fan i want them to be successful we've it, it, we've never been successful i think that's like we had that one run in the playoffs where we randomly beat the one seed as an 8 seed it's not something that ever should have happened but we did it right. But outside of that, that's pretty much the majority of our success. We've had great NHL players come through this city. They've come through and they've left. They haven't wanted to stay here. So I I hope that he succeeds. Like you said, am I optimistic about it? Not really, because it hasn't worked, you know, as of yet. And I think my second question was, do we think that he can build you know, a winning culture, but I also don't think it's just on him. I think it's on the rest of that front office staff. And I don't know if they're capable of doing it. I think this is uh Yarmo's what third head coach that he's hired now since he's been there. So like at some point you got to look at him and be like, are you draft? You're drafting these guys. You're hiring these head coaches. Is it you? Is it you that's holding us back from being, you know, a winning culture? What, what do you think on that? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll talk about the draft a little bit. I mean, like, why are we still playing at these low levels, but yet we're still not getting these high draft picks? And um, it's the draft I mean, lottery, man. Screw this. It <laughs> like, that's never going to change unless uh, I don't. Well, so we, 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 re- we refuse to bottom out. And the other thing, too, is like, unless you're going to truly bottom out, then you have the highest chance, but we refuse to like bottom out last year. They, you know, which I guess is like a good or bad thing. I don't know. It just depends on what you look at in a franchise, but you would hopefully want them to completely reset so you could get somebody, you know, like that is regarded as the next generational talent. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We just don't get generational talent. And I mean, yeah, maybe a change in GM, maybe it, uh, you know, I'm just I'm sad for the city of Columbus when it comes to stuff like this because I just don't see anybody caring, um, and that goes all the way to the the front office and um, you know fan base, players. Um, you know, reference back to Ella De La Cruz for Cincinnati. You know what I mean? You have if we ever had a player to come in that would just 
be just electric and just be, you know, an elite scorer, an elite defender, you know what I mean? Something like that, that just kind of makes everybody better around them. Then, then that's one thing, but we're just not getting those guys. We're not getting these electric players. We're getting, you know, mid-level drafts. We're getting, you know, players on declines that are coming in, you know, to finish out their careers. We're not getting anybody since, I don't know, since Rick Nash that, that really was, all-star electric you know what i mean it, it just so a lot to do for columbus um you know maybe in 40 50 years um if the nhl still exists uh you know we'll be good but um I, okay uh, i hope it's not 40 or 50 years jeez man that's a long time I, oh. i'm just saying I, i'm i'm in my 40s now and i highly doubt that columbus will win a stanley cup in my lifetime I'll put it to you that way. That's tough. I listen. I, I I think I think you're right. They they need to strike at somebody young, somebody exciting. I think if they could get that, and they could find a coach that could just. I think if Babcock can, not necessarily like win a Stanley Cup over the next five years, but if he can create a team that is, just just wins you know what i mean like if if they can win and they could compete for a playoff spot every year and if they can compete in the playoffs every year you know while he's there if he can create that culture i think that'll go a long way to like moving the needle to the next spot where like maybe we're not going out and getting a declining star maybe we're going out and getting a star in their prime you know what i mean and then maybe we can try to get you know it it just I don't know, but I think you have to first show show the the public, show the people of the NHL that, hey, we can win here. We can build a winning culture, even if it's like five years of like a little bit of mediocrity, right? Like if you can just be a consistent winning team, you're making the playoffs, you may not win a Stanley Cup, but you're there. You're relevant. I think that 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 will be to me a successful tenure for Babcock in Columbus if he can do that. We'll see if he can do that. <laughs> Let us know at home, guys, how excited you are for Babcock. What do you think he's going to be able to do? Do you think that he can create a winning culture in Columbus? And if he can't, do you think it's time for a top-to-bottom change? Um, yeah, let us know. <laughs> Let's move on to a team that has had a little bit more success the past couple of years in the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you guys haven't noticed, free aid, the draft, free agency has been – has been pretty crazy. <laughs> so outside of the Cavs, right? You had, you know, Chris Paul being traded, Jordan Poole, all these other crazy things. So we're going to dive into the Cavs. If you guys didn't know in the draft, they drafted a Monty Bates in the second round. They have recently put him on a two-way contract. Um, they also traded for uh, forward slash guard Max Struess from Miami and then center Damian Jones from Utah. Uh, they signed free agents forward, I'm going to say this name wrong, but I think it's uh, Georgius Nang. I'm just going to say Nang because that's easier to say. And then they also signed guard Ty Jerome, and then they re-signed their own player in forward slash guard Karis LeVert. So they didn't really add like any crazy big talent, but they just added a lot of good depth pieces. Um, How do you feel about their moves so far, Greg? And then I'll kind of give my opinion after it. I mean, I was really happy with the Max Struess trade. 
Um, that made, mm-hmm. that made me really happy. He's 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 a uh, legitimate um, you know three point shooter. Um, he's a legitimate scorer um, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Um, and he's got man, how many years has he been in the league? Um, like mm. Four years. Yeah, like four or five years, I think. Yeah, so so he's got at least a little bit of of NBA pedigree when it comes to that. So some of these newer guys and younger guys, um, you know, you've you know, uh, you've got a piece that I think is going to possibly get them past the the first round. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, being not just having to carry the entirety weight of the the, the game. On his back, um, I think Max Struess is is a um, a big piece to that to be able to kind of spread the ball. He's a good passer too. I mean, he, he uh, was always high in assists. Um, so I, I definitely, I think out of everything, uh, I'm excited about that the most. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, Struess is just a he's another scorer, and I think that was something that this team lacked was scoring from the wing. They brought back Karis Levert. That helps out in that, you know, regard. Bringing in Max Struess helps out. Bringing in Nang helps out. He's not, like, a huge scorer, but he can get you, like, 10 points a night. Um, he's going to be another, like, defender that you can put on people. So I think that they have a good, well-rounded roster. You know, Damian Jones is going to be kind of like a depth guy. He'll play, like, maybe 10, 12 minutes a night. Uh, give your big man a rest. He could be there just in case there's some injuries. And then Ty Jerome is a guy that can come off the bench at, you know, point guard or, or the two spot um, in situations, like I said, of injury or if they just need to play like 12 minutes a night. So I think it was just a very like it doesn't seem like a very sexy offseason, but uh, I was reading a report that said it, it reminded people a lot of like what the Denver Nuggets did, where it wasn't necessarily like huge free agents that they went out and got. They just kind of filled needs on their roster and added some much needed depth. And if you look at these young guys, if Darius Garland and Evan Mobley can take that next step, this is a team that I think could compete uh, next year, even though I said it this year and they didn't really do that well, but <laughs> I do, I do believe in this team. I think the biggest thing is just if Donovan Mitchell can, can be a little bit more consistent in the playoffs. And I think that's something that's just being more, I think the only consistent thing about like Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum and other younger superstars in the league in the playoffs is that they are just consistently inconsistent in the playoffs. <laughs> so like they yeah. just, and I think that's the, just the weirdest thing is we we're coming out of this era of, you know, LeBron's going to be done soon. Steph is going to be done soon. And those guys have just been so automatic and so consistent when it comes to playoff play. And we're going into this new era of basketball where, the superstars just aren't consistent and um, it'll be interesting to kind of see who, if, if Donovan Mitchell can take that next step and be that guy, or if it's Darius Garland or Evan Mobley. I mean, I definitely think that the East is, uh, even though the, the you know, NBA champion came out of the West this year, I still think that the East is, is the harder uh, of, of the two. Um, you, you've, you've at least got, you you want to talk about consistency, but you you've at least got you know Boston being a powerhouse, um, Philly being a powerhouse, you know depending on if those two pieces stay. But you even saw that that mm-hmm. the Knicks are starting to turn things around a little bit. Um, you know 
the heat surprised everybody. So um, I think the Cavs have a tough road, um, but I think that, uh, you know, they, they're putting themselves in, in places and adding like pieces, like you said, that, that fill those holes that, that definitely um, can, I think, get them to another level. So I'm actually more excited about the Cavs this year than I think I am about Philly or well to see if, Miami actually pulls off the the you know <laughs> the Dame trade, the Dame oh, trade, man. which uh, yeah you know I I, I, I don't know I, my thought is that he actually doesn't go anywhere but um, yeah I just don't I don't see it the only the only thing is like it's gonna have to be a multi team trade and you're gonna have to try to find a way to like trade him and James Harden within the same trade so you're moving superstars around and I just don't know. I still don't know if it's possible. I think some teams are going to have to like take a loss and I don't know. I I think and the other thing too is like when you look at Dame's contract after this year he's owed like 60 million dollars a year. Like who wants to pay that? I don't I don't understand why why he would even I mean, I know why he would sign that contract, but I don't know if he was like I'm probably going to be out of here in a year. Why why? Why would you do that? Because you've you've basically handcuffed Portland to where like either they got to get rid of you for nothing or you're going to go to a team and they're going to have to gut the roster anyway, because they're not going to be able to pay a fourth of the roster two fourths of the roster because of your contract. Yeah. I don't know, but we saw the Suns have like four superstars now who are on all max deals. So I guess who really cares about the salary cap anymore? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Just do whatever. (laughs) And I really see thing. I was really surprised when they they fired Monty Williams. Like I thought he was he's a really good coach. I think he connected with the players, and I think that that mm-hmm. I think that was a bad move for them. It's again we we live in this this new era of of the athlete has so much power, and I'm not opposed to it, but at the same time, I'm like you saw like Doc Rivers get bumped out of Philly, and this, I know that they didn't win a championship, but they were in the playoffs. You know both years that he was there you you know you saw like you know Toronto get rid of the head coach the Suns got rid of their head coach like I, I just don't I don't and then what uh, Milwaukee got rid of their head coach I just don't understand why and like it, it's just it's just an interesting I, I don't know it, it we have to get out of this era of like the players have so much say in the head coach like find a head coach that that fits your organization and tell the players just to just to play. Your your job is is to just play basketball. So I don't understand. I don't know. It's just a, a goofy thing. Give them so much power. Off my soapbox. All right. Well, let's know, guys at home, what you think about the Cavs offseason. Obviously, it's not over yet. There can be some trades that come into the horizon before the season starts. But I think this is pretty much going to be our starting roster going into the season. Trade deadline might be some different talks, but. This is going to be our roster. Let us know what you guys think about it. Uh, let's go ahead and end this off on the crew. If you guys haven't been following the MLS, like I said, FC Cincinnati, cream of the crop. They're the best. I can't really say anything about it. They're scoring offense, defensive. It's just I haven't seen anything, I guess, when you talk about a team that joined a league, what, five years ago, and now they're pretty much on top of it. It's definitely a – a drastic increase in, in play. And I think that's, you know, the, like I said, the last episode ownership spends a ton of money. Um, but the crew, as much as we were talking about them being a little bit lower on the, you know, the table and 
and them having a new head coach and not necessarily restarting, but the head coach trying to feel out their players. And they brought a lot of guys up from their crew two team and they've hit a bit of a stride. Now they haven't won all these games, but they've only lost two games out of the last 12. So even though they get some ties, they get points from that. Right. So 10 games out of the last 12, they've gotten at least one point from that. Right. Um, goal differential 24 to 16. So they've scored 24. They've allowed 16. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Christian um, Ramirez, he's about 31. I think he was brought in this year, um, but he has five goals during that stretch. So he's been a big contributor, but you know, other than that, Greg, what do you think is, is really contributing to this, this run and, you know, putting them in position to sit at fourth in the table right now? I mean, I think uh, the pace of play, um, I think that they've been really aggressive um, and I'd like to see that. And I think that any fan of football, I agree with you that it should be called football. Uh, Sahar is a horrible name. Anyways, um, I think the pace of play, uh, they're playing with a lot of speed, a lot of consistency. Um, you said the goal differential is like 24-16. Um, so that defense needs a little bit of improvement when it comes to that. Um, but obviously, if you're winning yeah. games, that that uh, your defense doesn't necessarily need to be stellar. It just needs to be um, – above you know above average so uh, i'm really excited about it um you know still a little bit more excited about cincinnati just because um they are just like you said playing lights out those are fun games to watch Mm -hmm. um but crew games are starting to be fun games to watch as well yeah just the connection between you know cucho and and uh zellerion and i know zellerion yes Um, just that connection. And then with like Aiden Morris coming up and like I said, they have a couple other guys that came up from the crew two team that have just been playing really well and, you know, getting a, a nice vet in the MLS and, and Ramirez has really helped out. And like my one note on here was like defense needs to improve. Like I think if their defense was a little bit better, a lot of those ties would turn into wins. And I think we'd be even higher on the board. We might even be really, you know, clipping the heels of, of FC Cincinnati and, um, I don't know. It, it'll be a fun. It'll be a fun time. And you know what? Like I said, the Ohio battle. Can we get a playoff? You know, a playoff game with uh, FC Cincinnati versus the Crew. That would be that would be fun. I think it'd be a fun time. I know they do like their own little thing during the season, but it it, it would it would be a fun time to watch that. So, yeah. Um, let us know at home, guys. What you think about the Crew? Let us know at home. What you think about FC Cincinnati? Uh, if you're not big into, uh, you know, what we call soccer or what it's really called in football, um, let us know why. What's your uh, gripe against it? And maybe some of us can change your mind. I know that they play on like the MLS plays on Apple TV, so it's kind of hard to watch games unless you have Apple TV. But I try to watch like the highlights and stuff or it's kind of goofy, but that is what it is. But <laughs> if you guys are able to watch the games or go in person, the lower.com field is really fun. So, all right. Let's go ahead and move into our double take segment. Greg, what do you got? I got some absurd laws. Uh, you know, I was kind of doing some research <laughs> and I, I think maybe I've tapped into the um, the sports uh, necessary um, uh, facts and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to, to, to get some, some uh, something different uh, a little bit. 
So I got the top 10 absurd laws in Ohio. Um, obviously, these are stuff that was probably done, you know, made laws, you know, 100 and 150 years ago, and they've just never taken them off the books. But uh, as of, I think, June uh, of 2023, these are still in the books in some counties. So I'm just going to go <laughs> kind of list and see uh, what you think of some of them. So did you know that you need a license to kill a house fly? when you are 160 feet from a church what <laughs> is there is, is there is there a fly hunting license i i don't know i mean it's it's an ohio law so uh i think that there's something that we need to look into as far as uh what actually you need to what uh, prompted that that's crazy I, yeah uh, so, from, something probably the church um uh, you know is it, is it is it like against Jesus to kill flies? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, but uh, number two is walking a cow on a lake road is illegal in Bay Village. Yep. Yeah, I do remember that. One. Yeah, I, remember, I think we talked about <laughs> that before. Um, in Cleveland, you need a hunting license to catch mice. Leave it to Cleveland. That's crazy. Um, so it is illegal to throw rice at weddings in Chillicothe. I think that that's actually turned into something um, a little bit more substantial because when they found that rice was actually detrimental to the bird population, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so that that's maybe more consistent. That might be one that's uh, come a little, uh, you know, it's more recent, but I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Also like uh, who, who wants to get pelted by rice? Like that doesn't seem fun at all. Cause you know, like there's going to be people that are nice about it and throw it up in the air, but then there's going to be all those, you know, jerkheads that are just like oh, and chuck rice at you i don't know that's why we did sparklers it was easy so uh i know that you're you know just became of drinking age for the last few years but uh you know you, what? Might, you might not remember that um you weren't allowed to you know buy a uh, certain wine before noon on sundays um mm -hmm. in columbus but uh did you also know that stores in columbus shouldn't sell cornflakes on sunday as well i did not know that <laughs> excessive honking is illegal in fairview park honking your car horn twice is considered excessive so that's okay. in fairview park shaking a snake at someone is unlawful you can throw it instead that's that's illegal in ohio <laughs> and if you leave an, yep shaking shaking a snake at someone so you know Maybe shaking a stick, but shaking a snake. I shake my snake at you. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that's definitely got to be something back in the old Ohio days of you know, the, the 1860s, 1850s Ohio laws. <laughs> How dare you shake your snake at me? <laughs> that's got to be reference to something. There's no way. <laughs> so if you leave an item on the tree lawn, it stops being yours. The object becomes the property of the city. So that's that little strip, um, you know, in between your sidewalk and the road, that little strip of grass and that tree. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, if you leave an item on that as considered a tree lawn, it stops becoming yours. It is a property of the city. That's where I leave my trash. So, I mean, that's fine, yeah. I guess. And arrest shouldn't be made on the 4th of July and Sundays. So if any criminals out there listening to Ohio verse podcast, do um, not encourage people to commit crimes. That, that maybe the police are encouraged not to necessarily uh, arrest you on July 4th or Sundays. 
And the last one, uh, leaning against any public building is a crime in Clinton County. Hmm. Interesting. So. Also, can we go back to when you were like, when you said I was not that far removed from drinking age? I mean, it's it's if it's less than 10 years, then it's considered, you know, you're not that far removed. I'm like almost 30, man. <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty removed from it. There's no way. Well, not almost, but I'm pretty, I, I don't know. Anyway, yep. Those are some fun laws. The, the leaning one. That's pretty crazy. I'm going to find where that's at. Clinton County. So if you got some uh, public uh, public buildings in Clinton County, go ahead and start leaning and see what happens. All right. Um, okay. Fun stuff. I didn't have anything like fun fact thing. I just had one like question that I didn't put on here that I thought about um, while we were recording. So I'll bring this up. It'd be pretty quick. But I was, I was thinking about while we were talking about, you know, the success of Cincinnati and, you know, I had kind of mentioned Cleveland a little bit, but I, I'm thinking over the next like five years, how fun do you think it's going to be to be an Ohio sports fan? You know what I mean? Especially for us as like a podcast that focus on Ohio sports, when you have, you know, the Bengals, the Reds, FC Cincinnati, you got the crew that's being successful. You go up to Cleveland Theoretically, the Browns on paper should be successful. You know, the Guardians have a pretty steady team right now. The Cavs are looking pretty good. Um, you got Ohio State. Like, I guess I don't know if we've, as a state, been able to look at all of our, you know, teams and been like, they're all pretty much successful outside of, you know, probably the Blue Jackets. But I guess over the next five years, like, how exciting is it going to be to be in Ohio and watch all this kind of unfold. So I guess, um, you know, you're talking about this, my question to you, then I'm going to flip this back on you <laughs> rank the teams in Ohio as to the likelihood of winning a championship, who is oh, most man. likely to least likely give me your top five, who is most likely the less likely to win the championship in the next five to 10 years. I think Ohio state has to be number one. Football, Ohio State football. I think that has to be number one. I think they have I, – I want to say they have the best chance just because we're always in the mix. You know what I mean? I think that that's, a, that's probably a fair point. I think number two – I'm, I'm going to say number two is FC Cincinnati. I think FC Cincinnati has the best chance to win a championship in the next five years. Um, I think the Bengals have to sit at number three. I think the Cavs sit at number four. And – I would, I would put the Reds at five just because of how exciting they look right now. <laughs> I think, I think, and then I think the crew are on the outside looking in on that one. You know what I mean? I think, I think the Browns are on the outside looking in as well too. And the same with the Guardians. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. I think honestly, like when you look at it NFL wise, I think the Bengals have a really good chance of winning the Super Bowl. I think when you look at over the next five years, MLS-wise, I think the crew in FC Cincinnati, if they can continue their upward trajectory, I think both of them have a good chance of winning the MLS. MLS oh, I can't even freaking talk. MLS championship. Um, I think Ohio State has a really good chance of winning the national championship. And I think if the Cavs continue to grow, they have a really good chance of winning the NBA finals over the next five years too. So, I mean, over-under, what do you think? Over-under 
two total championships for Ohio in the next five years. What are you taking? Uh, I'll take the under on that. Um, take the under. I, think, I, I think that the Bengals are, are the first to win a championship. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think that that's, it's just in, it's in the water. It's in the, you don't, you don't think, you don't think FC Cincinnati pulls it out this year? Uh, you know, uh, possibly, but, but I, I think that, you know, um, if it doesn't happen, I think that, uh, like I said, the Bengals are going to be um, closest to the prize. They're the ones that have come closest to the prize, I guess I, mm-hmm. I put it that way. So, yeah. All right. You know, Ohio State, you know, did blow it by, you know, a field goal. Uh, oh, I you know what it, I knew we were gonna lose that game because CJ Stroud called freaking heads on the freaking corner. Oh man, I was so mad. I was I was more mad than I think I've been watching sports in a while when he said heads and not tails. And I was like, we're gonna lose this freaking game. And then he oh, the God. <laughs> did not mean to spark that little outrage. I apologize <laughs> to our listeners. Nick is uh, he's a little passionate, a little scary. I'm gonna sometimes. be that. I'm gonna be upset about that for a while. Like I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be mad if I ever get a chance to talk to CJ. I'm gonna be like, why, why, why? No. All right. Anyway, before I keep going, guys, let us know at home. You know how excited you are for the next five years for Ohio sports. And then Greg's question: Who has the best chance to win a championship? Rank your top five. You know what I mean? Or rank all of them if you have enough time. That's fine too. Let us know because I do I do think it's going to be a fun five years for us, especially if we continue this podcast and especially this this, you know, um, this episode. And it's going to be fun for us to talk about all this going forward. So, but yeah, as always, guys, I'm Nick. I was joined by Greg. This is Ohio Voice. Oh, my gosh. Ohio Voice. Ohio Voice presented by Deep Dive Sports. And we'll catch you on the next one. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Ohio Verse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohio Verse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one.